Hello, one to go show fans. Thanks again for hopping over and listening to our podcast. Just a reminder, we have some exclusive content being posted weekly for the first six weeks of 2021 only on our YouTube channel. So if you want to jump over there to catch those interviews, it's the one to go show on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button so you'll see those new exclusive videos each week. Well, hello there, race fans. Ryan Aho and the one and only Bert Lehman bringing you episode 64 of the One to Go show. I think I might have on first take, I think I might have said 54, but hey, I, it is what it is. Uh, you know, nobody ever accused me, accused me of being a numbers guy, but uh, 64 episodes in the books after this one. Bert, racing season is full steam ahead. <laughs> last week we talked on the show, and honestly, I. I literally did not even bring up that, hey, last this last week was Mod Week over at East Bay. I didn't even bring it up, right? And I'm like, I didn't even know. Like, it came before I even knew it. I'm used to that being in February. It seems like everything's earlier to me. I think this show, actually, the late models down in East Bay, it seems like it's usually February, but it seems like everything's moved forward. I don't know if they kind of did that because of the, you know, the Super Bowl being down there. I'm not really sure. But it just seems like everything's off a week, or I, I'm not. I'm kind of losing well, track of time. How about you? Well, in the past, uh, wasn't Speed Weeks more closer to the Daytona 500? Yeah, yeah, it sure was. And you know, I kind of remember the mod deal, and then kind of rolled right out of the mod deal into that. I remember being at East Bay for the late model races, leaving East Bay, driving all the way across, going to Daytona for the. I guess at the time it was the Bud Shootout. And I don't even know when that is. It's NASCAR. I guess I'm not even paying attention. I know the Daytona 500 is <laughs> coming, you know, but we're all dirt fans here and there's been a lot of racing, you know, and let's start with a, a week in review and, you know, East Bay, they're obviously racing the late models right now, but last week they had the mods there. And <clears throat> honestly, I don't know if I would have watched it other, other than the fact that my buddy Buzzy Adams was down there because, you know, typically in the past, Bert, I remember I raced down there back in, uh, I guess it would have been 2009, and there was a bunch of Wasoda cars down there. I mean, there was a bunch of guys from our area. It seemed like there was always a dozen or so, and now things have changed. With the Wild West shootout happening in Arizona, most of our guys go that way instead, and rather than going um, down to Florida. And I think there's a couple reasons for that. Um, number one is a lot of them, they can go down and compete with their Wasota stuff. So that's a big reason. And number two, so they don't have to have a separate engine program, so to speak. But the format they have down there in Arizona, where they have a couple days off, and it's kind of like racing with the vacation, and it kind of mixes together. I think that really appeals to a lot of people in our area. Plus, if you think about snowbirds from Wisconsin, Minnesota, where do they typically go? They go to Arizona, right? And they don't really go to Florida. And it's it's more sunny in Arizona, right? Florida, let's hope the sun shines, right? But uh, it's typically, you don't really have to worry too much about the weather down there. But talking about the mods, did you get a chance to watch uh, any of the mod features down there um, from this last week down at East Bay? Um, I just saw, I mean, from our spirit our perspective, I just saw the best feature of the week. Uh, I, I believe that was the last feature of the, of the week also, but uh, I saw the one uh, that uh, Buzzy Adams uh, won by 
what was it less than a second or a little over a second it was like <laughs> 0.038 or so it was like three one thousandths i mean it was like a photo finish at the line and, and just to kind of roll that back so buzzy you know he i call him the human highlight reel i mean he is super fun to watch i mean he makes it happen and he did it again he didn't just win he won in dramatic fashion it was absolutely awesome but uh he made the switch I, i'm interested i was I didn't know this. It was kind of one of the best kept secrets. Buzzy Adams is now in an MB Customs modified. And, you know, and uh, I, I just, I, I was surprised by that because they, him and Jimmy have always, I'm not going to say they don't like each other, but they, they never seemed very tight. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. And to see him switch over to that, I'm thinking there might be a little family deal going on, right? Because his much, much better half, Megan, her sister, Morgan, is actually goes out with Rodney Sanders. And so Rodney spends a lot of time in Minnesota. Of course, he's got MB Customs and all his stuff. So I'm thinking maybe that kind of had a, played a little bit into it. But but Bert, the first night down there, he was literally a car length from being lapped. I mean, he was not good. Um, there was one night he started in the front. He fell back to like seventh or eighth. He did win, I believe, the second night. Troutman was coming. He was a little quicker. Um, Buzzy got way more out of the car than what the car had to give him the first few nights. And that cushion come in and, and really with, I don't know, eight, nine laps to go in the 75 lapper. Did you think that he even had a prayer to win that race? Uh, no, I mean, you know, he battled throughout the first part of the race. He, you know, stayed in the top four. He, um, but then, uh, he kind of fell back a little bit, uh, but yeah, I didn't think he had a, had a chance. And then especially even, well, then with a few laps to go, he got up there. He needed, he needed several laps to get momentum going. Um, he was not really good right off, right after a restart. He had to uh, wind that engine up for a few laps. I mean, and he talked about that in his <laughs> post-race interview, uh, but you know, he needed a longer run because he was running the very top side and he needed all that momentum. And he actually, um, I can't remember how many laps were left, but he was actually going to take the lead from Jason Hughes. I mean, he was, he wasn't side by side, but he had, I would say he had his front tires along the door. So, um, so he didn't quite show his hand, but he was knew he was there. I mean, he was even said so in the post-race interview that he, he heard him up there. Uh, but when that caution came out, I mean, if the caution doesn't come out, Buzzy takes the lead and, and I think he wins no problem. Uh, but when the caution came out with only two laps to go and him needing momentum uh, to, uh, to really get going, I didn't think he had a chance with two laps to go on that restart, uh, but uh, he drove it in there on that last on that last lap and pulled it off somehow. <laughs> I, I may have I may have yelled a four letter word that starts with F and ends with fire you know fire truck right I mean <laughs> I I'm like are you kidding me like because I think you're exactly right if the if the yellow doesn't come out there I think he wins by four or five car lengths I think he kind of wins going away because he was wound up on the top and when they talked to Hughes he's like I kind of figured it was going to take him a little bit to get going so I figured I'll just hit my mark stone on the mm-hmm. bottom I should be fine and. Buzzy shocked the world by driving by and coming off four in dramatic fashion. 
uh, two years in a row. You won the five grand show down there. So that's really cool. Um, just a class act. So congratulations, Buzzy Adams. On, and thanks for putting a show on for all of us up here watching. We're all cheering for him. Another guy down there, Bert, that I, I shouldn't even say guy, kid. Well, they call him the kid <laughs> that, that I was extremely impressed with. Didn't have a very good last night, but he won the points down there. He won the, I, I don't even know what they call it, but there's, there's a points battle there for the mods. Drake Troutman, and I looked it up. He's 16 years old. He's in an MB. He got a couple wins down there. Man, he he was on it. I mean, he's a very talented race car driver. And Buzzy said he learned a couple things from watching him, how he's been in the car, and kind of he he really paid attention to what he was doing. And he he learned a couple things that he applied there to win that final night. So he's also in a late model. I didn't notice there, Bert. Was he there tonight? Yeah, he was there tonight. He was. Yeah, so he's running a late model, too. I, evidently, they got some backing behind him. I'm not sure. I don't know much about this kid, but uh, 16 years old, running a UMP mod, running a super late model, a um, couple wins already in that modified. That's going to be fun to kind of keep track of that kid to see how far he goes. I have no idea if he's going to Volusia or not, but he, he's he's got some talent, and he can get around the racetrack. So that was a mod deal. Now, now John Tardy, a buddy of mine, he kind of brought something to my attention, you know, and, and I didn't really think nothing of it. And he's like, you know, the cars look really slow and watching the modifieds there, Bert, it looked like they were going 30 miles an hour around the racetrack. It just did not look fast. Well, after watching the late models, and we'll touch on that briefly, the, the track has been greasy, right? They call it the clay by the bay. The tide comes in, the moisture comes out and everybody slips and slides and, if you if you've never driven a race car, you know I guess the best way I can kind of attribute it is imagine driving on an icy road. Imagine everything's glare ice, and then it rains, and you're going like I can't like you turn the wheels back and forth, and the car just keeps going straight. I mean there's like nothing. The brakes don't work. The gas don't work. I mean it's literally like just free floating out there and that's kind of what the cars are all doing mods late models everybody it is absolutely crazy and and i remember that place being super slippery i was there back in 2009 and fortunate enough to get a lucky break and get into victory lane there so that was pretty cool but we looked at the lap times bert and and the qualifying times which the qualifying tracks kind of the same but the qualifying times in 2009 were actually faster than the qualifying times in 2021. And I'm like, you know, and, and you pointed out, and I'll let you touch on that, that maybe track conditions and that all has to play on it. But but me and John were talking and it's like, well, here's the deal. I mean, cars cost double, if not triple, right? So you're spending way more money to go the same speed, right? So everybody's talking about all this technology and all this and that. And I don't know that the cars are going any faster. I wish there was a way to really look at lap times from the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, and really just kind of look at a side-to-side spreadsheet from multiple tracks. Are the cars going any faster? Maybe on a super slick, clean, you know, top-to-bottom deal. They're probably a little quicker through the middle of the corner there. But if there's moisture, if there's a cushion, if there's a little traction on the track, are they really any faster today? than they were then what's your thoughts well i mean uh you know like like you stated i mean we kind of discussed this a little bit via text back and forth 
Um, and I mean, track conditions obviously play a factor in, um, you know, lap times. Um, now, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, uh, disputing you stating that the, that the cars really aren't getting any faster. Um, I mean, I think there's probably only a car can only go so fast around an oval. I mean, the physics behind it, or, I mean, I'm not a physicist or whatever, you know, so I don't, I don't know all that, but I mean, it's not like, you know, every year you're going to chop two seconds off of a lap time eventually and eventually get down to five seconds. A lap. I mean, you know, that's not going to happen. I mean, there's, there are, there are forces that limit as to what the, the fastest lap time you can turn. Um, but yeah, I mean, when you talk about racing technology, you know, it's, you know, they're trying, they're looking for a hundredth of a second, you know, that's what's crazy about this. You're paying all this money for a hundredth of a second, but yeah, I mean, the car, the lap times are the same as they were 10 years ago. So what's that money being spent on? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm just saying, you know, I looked at my lap times were about a half a second faster than what Buzzy was going. So you figure a 30 second or 30 lap race or so, Muzzy, I want to laugh to you. I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> and, and and I think honestly, looking at the track, they did put new material on it, and and I th- and I think that back then too, another thing that I didn't even think about is we had. I don't know if they can run the super soft tires. I think they got to run mediums and hards. I don't know that for sure, but I can tell you this: a half a second a lap for sure um, on the tires we were running then. I I don't think they're running the D's. I could ask Buzzy on that. I think they're, I don't think they're able to run those. So, and even the late models, I think they had a little compound change and you can tell, I mean, on a track that's greasy like that, you want as soft of a tire as you can get on the front so the car can carve. And I think there might be some tire deals that maybe is a little different in, in the clay. I mean, when that place gets greasy, it is interesting and we'll talk about that a little bit more when we talk about the late <laughs> models but but uh just entertaining to watch man you know there's only a handful of years left there Bert and and really I mean the racing there's pretty darn entertaining you know you, you look at I just love them small tracks of turn and burn and slide jobs and it's it's just painful to me that that place is going away like you know we have to go I mean there's literally only a couple years left we're, I think I myself, I'm going to have to go next year, maybe, or the year after down to East Bay one last time, get some strawberry shortcake, you know, or two or three or whatever it may be. And, and really you take mean it one last time. With a race car, you're going to take a race car down there? Again, I, I, <laughs> I, I just don't feel like I can talk about how fast I was and how fast I could be. And I can talk about all that. But when it comes to proving it, I just don't need my ego bruised all that terribly bad. I really don't. I, I want every single race I've watched from my own chair or in the grandstands, I have never lost one. And uh, I plan to, I don't, I don't need to be humbled. I'll just, I'll just talk. So let's, let's, uh, let's go to late model racing. There was supposed to be a double header, right? Lucas oil opener. Of course, they canceled up at the golden Isle speedway because of COVID deal. They moved out to Alltech. Night one, of course, rained out. Night two, I'm going to just let you touch on what stuck out to you, and then I'll, I'll kind of fill in a little bit. But what was your thoughts about, I guess, opening night for the Lucas Oil Dirt Late Models over at Alltech? 
Well, I mean, they had a good car count and, uh, you know, uh, Kyle Larson was there. So, you know, never heard of her. You know, that added a little bit of uh, intrigue to it. Uh, But I don't think anybody expected to happen what actually did happen. Um, I mean, I know what, you know, we were texting back and forth on, you know, who do you got, who are you picking for this race? And, you know, I saw Larson was starting six and I thought, ah, he's starting six. He, he can't, he, he won't get up there. And I, I, I'm learning that uh, you shouldn't doubt Kyle Larson. <laughs> and uh, cause uh, not only did he get up into first place, I mean, he actually put a, put a whooping on the field. I mean, he won That's by. That's not what you were going to say, Bert. You were going to add a word in there. <laughs> um, I mean, there, I mean, I believe the race was caution free. So uh he won by like 15 little over 15 seconds i think over second place and lapped up through eighth place or something like that so yeah i mean it i mean he just keeps uh i don't know if we should even say surprising us he just keeps proving us wrong i guess <laughs> yeah you know uh you know derek was it derek kessinger or whatever d suave He's been kind of talking smack like, ah, you know, he ain't that, you know, he ain't going to do much or whatever. And right in victory lane, did you, I don't know if you saw that or not, but Kyle Larson called him out. He goes, are you a believer now? Or do you believe now or whatever? I didn't see that. (laughs) Yeah. He called him right out. Like, all right, like here I am. Do you believe now? And it's like, I got nothing. He said, I saw that on the drive home. I'm like, well, that was good stuff. That was kind of a, that that was a slow burn right there. 15.8 15.8 seconds and I mean we're talking about an absolute beatdown and you know and, and here's what's crazy and, and I'm still one of them like I want to see him get off the big half mile right because he's been dominant on that I want to see him get on a track like East Bay or a turn and burn or a Fairbury or whatever I'm not saying he can't win but I want to see him on some different track conditions other than the big momentum type deals because the smallest track you race on in NASCAR is a half mile, right? So he's used to that momentum and not that, you know, I'm not taking anything away, but there's a lot of drivers and Jeff, our, our late model expert pointed this out. Tyler Millwood kind of had a comment of, you know, I, I think, yeah, he's doing great, but, you know, I think we need to give a little bit more credit there to Rumley, right? Because everybody that gets in that six car wins. There's a lot of people, they talk about that on the drive home there on Dirt on Dirt. And they talk, there's a lot of drivers still grumbling. They're still, right, at at East Bay, they were talking about this of, yeah, you know, he's good. You know, he's a great driver. He's talented, you know, but, you know, he's only racing at at the big tracks where he can can succeed at. So there's a, I think some of these drivers are getting a little chip on their shoulder, right? They're like, you know, hey, we're the elite, we're the best late model drivers in the world. And this freaking guy's raced the late model like a handful of times and making us look like a bunch of bumps. So, right. And they're, I'm telling you, like, it is humbling when that happens. Like, I, I mean, and I, we've all been there, right? If, if you're a racer, you're racing for national championship and you get to a, a big invitational and a couple guys pop in that are good, but they're not racing for points and they kind of make you look a little silly and you're like, well, then all of a sudden you kind of got people talking your ear. Oh man, it's a good thing that guy didn't run for points. <laughs> you know, you would have been in trouble. So do you think there's going to be a little bit of that going on in the late models? Like a guy wins, you know, the, the Lucas Oil Series and they're like, oh man, bet you're happy Kyle Larson didn't race. That's got to <laughs> be a little bit of a bruise to the ego. What do you think? 
Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sure it's in at least the back of their mind. You know, it's like, you know, this guy has raced, what, three late model races now, and he's won two of them. Um, Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm sure it it sticks in your mind a little bit. And regarding the Rumley thing, I mean, yeah, I mean, it is great equipment that he's that he's in. It's not like he's, you know, showing up in, you know, just uh, any car in 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 winning. I mean, he's in. I mean, we know what Davenport did in that car, and I know you know McCready raced it last year, and I I don't know if McCready had any wins in it last year, but uh, you know, good equipment never never hurts, but you still have to be able to drive it. <laughs> I, I think that those races, you know, when you get to the Lucas Oil races, I think there's a lot of good equipment there. I, I think <laughs> right. that, you know, they're well, kind right. of on an equal playing field, so to speak. Now, so, I mean, clearly he was the story. I mean, that that guy is so immensely talented. I mean, he's he's won the Chili Bowl. He won that Lucas Oil race. I mean, the guy is just incredible. It's going to be – I'm going to watch the Daytona 500. I am. Because I'm curious to see how he does. I, I really am. I'm not a NASCAR guy, but I'm watching the Daytona 500 because it is the, you know, it's it's the Daytona 500. You know, I'm going to watch it, but I want to see how he does. And I, as a Dirt fan, I think there's a lot of us going, man, I, I want to see him win this deal. A lot of variables play in. I get it, you know, but but it'll be kind of fun to keep track. Now, Bert, there well, were some people. Go ahead. I just wanted to say the interesting thing, you know, I, I watched that race and, what uh, caught my attention was the announcers mentioned that Larson plans to race around 20 late model shows this year, uh, which I thought was interesting. <laughs> yeah. And, so, and I wait, mean, yes. is he going to be hitting some crown jewels or, you know, are they just going to be uh, during the week races? So I, I'm curious to see which races he actually hits. Yeah, I, I really am too, because I thought there was kind of a deal that if it was within a few days of racing a NASCAR race, he wasn't going to do it. You know, so I think it's got to work out. Everything's got to work out schedule wise, because in my mind and, and, you know, he's more talented than I've ever even imagined being. But the fact is, if you race, say, like on a, on a Friday or a Saturday and then you go to race a NASCAR on Sunday, I would have to think that messes up your timing a little bit. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I just, you know. But some guys, you know, you see people do it. And, you know, he jumps from a sprint car to a midget to a USAC sprint to a late model. I mean, and, and everything he gets and he wins. So maybe he's just that good. And, you know, that another thing that I think about there is all these young guys, right, that are that are using that iRacing. It's, you know, they're using iRacing and, and you do that iRacing. I'm telling you, like, I've talked to a lot of people and they said that really is transferring over to the success people are having behind the wheel because it's difficult. Everything's tight and it's quick steering Uh and you got to hit your marks. So it's just like anything. I mean, if you're racing every single day, you're going to be better. I mean, I'm not taking away from his talent because it's insane. There's a lot of people that do it, but uh, all that stuff plays (laughs) in and maybe that's part of the reason why he adapts so good but what a story it's going to be fun to follow a couple people birth that struggled you know we the kind of the story coming in right is you know kyle strickler rtj right we're talking about this rookie battle and uh, ricky thornton jr at this particular race didn't even make the feature you know and you know we'll talk about east bay in just a second here and 
night number one, he didn't make the feature there either. You know, so this sport is humbling. You can go from hero to zero like that. And, uh, you know, and that's a bruise to the ego. And somebody's used to winning that much. It's, it plays on a person's psyche. And one has to wonder, are they emotionally strong enough to kind of overcome that hurdle and just continue to learn and grow? But I was surprised to see him struggle. You mentioned T-Mac. He's been just terrible. Nothing's going right. Jimmy uh-huh. Owens. There's a Brandon Shepard again. He's just right around 10th or whatever. A lot of, lot of people there that are just haven't quite hit their strides yet. But uh, that was opening week. And, you know, let's skip back. We'll, we'll come back to the sprint cars in a second here. But uh, the Lucas Oil Series jumped over to East Bay. And uh, it's it's Tuesday night, for those of you that are wondering. You know, you're watching this. We, we're posting it on Wednesday prior to the Wednesday event. So Monday and Tuesday are already in the books for late model week at East Bay. All I can say is, oh, wow. <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> it has been insane. Um, you know, Bert, I'll, I'll just let you start. You know, what's your what's your thoughts after, I guess, night one and night two? You know, what, what kind of stuck out to you and, you know, what are you seeing here? Well, what really stuck out to me, especially the first night, was just the number of cautions that they that there were in the feature. Um, I mean, it was just caution after caution, especially Monday night. Tuesday night, um, there wasn't as many cautions, but it seemed like uh, the cautions that did come out uh, caught the, there was a lot more damage to the to the race cars uh, in the in the. I mean. A lot of times we watch Lucas Oil Series, uh, World of Outlaws too. And I mean, you'll watch a feature and there'll be, you know, a couple of cautions, but, you know, a lot of times it's just for ticky tack stuff, you know, a flat tire, you know, just a spin. I mean, for the most part, you don't see the really bad wrecks uh, in the upper echelon of Lucas Oil and World of Outlaws. Now, granted, they, they do happen here and there. Uh, but uh, so far, the first two nights, there's been some uh, pretty, uh, uh, let's just say, uh, drivers. some drivers aren't making any money because they have uh, some repair bills um, <laughs> to pay. Um, but uh, especially in the, well, getting to the heat race, ca- talking about an accident, did you see the Freddie Carpenter? Well, you know, me and Jeff <laughs> were talking about this, and it was kind of funny. A few weeks back, Freddie Carpenter posted on his Facebook page that he was doing like a, a raffle type deal um, where you could or put in bids or whatever for to sponsor and put they'll put your logo on different parts of his car. And I'm like, really? I mean, I thought it was stupid, really, because these people ain't getting any value. I'm kind of against that. I always tell, say that's like one step above a GoFundMe, like kind of almost like begging, so to speak. And, and I said, it's Freddie Carpenter, nothing against him. He's, he's good at home, but I'll be surprised if he makes a feature. Like, and after night one, Bert, like, I don't even remember seeing his car, right? They, they had a 30 lap B main or a 30 car B main. They never <laughs> showed him once. They didn't, I don't even remember him showing him really in the heat race. So people donated money and it's like, they're not even, I don't even see him. And then he had a vicious rollover in the heat race on Tuesday and he got a lot of airtime. And Jeff's like, well, there you go. We've got a lot of camera time there. Them sponsors got their money worth. They're all over the TV screen now. I'm like, yep, fair enough. I don't think it quite worked out how we wanted to. But, uh, man, good thing he was okay. He got out. He was walking yep. around. 
but uh, that car is he's done for the week. There's no doubt. That, that's it's a shame because he's not a big budget guy, you know. So you kind of you kind of root for the underdog a little bit to at least make a show or two and kind of have a good week out of the deal, not tear stuff up because I was a low budget guy myself, and so it sucks for him because you know regardless if they build their own cars or not, you still got to buy all the parts. Right. And they cost a lot of money. And, you know, so tough break, but glad to see he was okay. And, you know, back to night number one, you know, the, the track changed, right. It's, it looked like it was going to get drier. And Jimmy Owens mentioned after the B main, he's like, I think the bottom is going to take rubber. <laughs> yep. I saw that. Yeah. Not so much. <laughs> well, not take rubber. <laughs> they reworked the track. Uh, yeah, they did. Before the feature on Monday night. Yeah. I, I saw Steve Francis moving tires around and they bladed it up. And, but they really only bladed the bottom. They didn't do anything middle up and they didn't put any water on it. They just kind of, they okay. bladed off the black. So, and at first I'm like, boy, it's just going to be one lane on the bottom and spray marbles up all over the track. But as East Bay does, and if you've never raced East Bay, you know, this is the craziest thing that's so close right to the bay that the moisture literally comes out. Um, for you, for those of you up north, I want you to think about Superior and Ashland. Same thing. They're right by Lake Superior, but it's like on steroids. It's way bigger down there. But the tracks that are closest to Lake Superior it, on a cool night and if everything goes right, next thing you know, that moisture starts coming out of the track. It starts getting wet, greasy. And, and that's what it was like. And they talked to some drivers afterwards and they kind of joked. It's like, I, I think I ran out of talent. Like I, like I literally, <laughs> I, I got nothing. They couldn't turn. I mean, you'd see people come in the corner, the wheels locked left they're going straight to the wall. Bronson hit the fence. And it's like, they had absolutely zero control of the car. And some of the drivers said, look, here's the deal. Like I, it was, it was crazy. It was wicked fast and just threw it in there. And then some of the young guns are like, man, this was awesome. And some of the older guys that like to drive their stuff straight, they're like, I, I've never been so uncomfortable in a race car in my entire life. Like this was, this was horrible because you really had no feel. It was just the right front was gone. And I don't know if you listen to Buzzy Adams interview down at East Bay after he won, he said, you really got to keep the car bent. You got to keep it sideways because the right front just doesn't have any grip there, right? And there's no grip. You ain't going to just rotate on the right front and just keep pushing up the racetrack. So you can tell the guys that are kind of a little bit yawed, a little bit sideways with the car, they really get through the center of the corner. And of course, night number one went to a guy that last year, if you remember, he crashed, he uh, hurt his leg, kind of, I think he broke his leg or something, Hudson O'Neill, and he parked that baby in victory lane on night number one. The question I have is, did you see the altercation? Turbo was leading, and there was a little contact. And I watched this about 20 times, no less than 20 times on Mav TV Facebook page. You know, so I, I was able to kind of go back and watch it over and over. And let's just say there was some contact made. Bert, what was your thoughts on that? Did you get a chance to get a good look at that? I I have I did not rewatch it. I just thought saw. I saw it when it happened, and I just think, well, actually, after I saw, who, who actually spun him out? I can't remember. Hudson. Oh, oh was Moran. It was, it, was it Moran? Devin Moran. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, I mean, actually, the first thing that came to my mind was, all right, is he going to go after Moran like he, like he did Bobby Pierce at the USA Nationals? <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, I saw it, and, yeah, but, well, actually – 
yeah, it was it was Moran and Hudson because Hudson was right below Moran, yep. and Moran was. I mean, I mean, you couldn't fit a piece of paper between the two, and then Herb was above them, so it was like the three of them all bunched almost side by side, and it, yeah, um, you know, Moran made contact with Herb, and Herb and Herb spun out, and uh, he was the only one who came to a stop, so he had to go to the to the tail. <laughs> yeah, I thought he was going to be upset. You know, and, and race fans, if you want to see that incident, go to Mav TV on Facebook. Um, night number one, just go to the end of the feature, 10, 12 laps left, something like that. You'll see the incident. You make the call on that. Um, what I saw there, initially, Jeff's like, man, you know, Moran took him out. And I'm like, I don't think I saw it that way, but I needed to see it again because it happened so quick, right? And I watched it about 20 times today. And what I noticed is Herb had got to the front, run of the bottom, right? Well, the yellow comes out, and all of a sudden, he's running the top. It's like, what are you doing? He left the door open, and them guys, they made it three wide coming off of turn number four, coming into turn one, and he's at the wall in the middle of the front straightaway, does a four-lane change, and he drives across the nose of the nine. And the nine never, the, the nine never turned. He just kept it straight. There was right. contact. He got around. It wasn't like huge contact. Well, and didn't really is, tear anything up. The nine couldn't go any lower because O'Neill was below him. Right, right. So I think that's why why Turbo wasn't mad. And they talked about that and they asked him. I, I didn't see an interview with him on that, but I know that the, the Dirt on Dirt crew asked him. They said, why'd you go high? Like, what were you doing? Like, why, why'd you do that? You know? And, and he's like, well, I just wanted to get some momentum up. And he's like, yeah, that, that probably wasn't the best move. But, yeah, pretty cool, though, seeing Hudson O'Neill, you know, win after breaking his leg last year. His dad, of course, had a lot of success down at East Bay. And Devin Moran, did he – I think he ended up second, didn't he? Did he still finish second? Or did he fall back a little bit? No, I think he fell back to fourth. Okay. But he was up to battling for the lead yeah. from 22nd on the grid. Um, I don't remember what the top three is. Do you have the top three in front of you? I can look it up. I'll look it up really quick. I, I do not. I mean, actually, there was an incident that Moran made contact with somebody. I can't remember who he made contact with. And, and ever since then, I think something happened to his right front because his, okay. car, wasn't, his car wasn't the same after that. Okay. So, so, yeah, the top three there. Okay, yeah, you're actually, boy, he fell back. He fell back to ninth. He fell oh, back wow. to ninth. So, yeah, he must have really – something must have happened there. So, you're exactly right. I, I guess I totally missed that. But, uh, but yeah, actually, Tyler Herb won from ninth. And then – this That's tonight. Nice. I was going to say, that's the wrong day. That is the <laughs> wrong that's... day. I'm like – give me one second here. All right. Yeah, you are exactly right. Uh, Devin Moran got fourth. I'm like, that don't seem right. So Hudson O'Neill won. Brandon Shepard got second. Overton got third. Moran got fourth. Now, Moran started 22nd and got fourth. Earl Pearson Jr. started 24th and got fifth. Tony Jackson Jr. started 30th and got sixth. Now, there well, was nutrition. Not only did he get up to six, but the side of his car was also bashed in because he was in a wreck on the opening lap. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it was crazy, man. I'm telling you, like, I I mean, the, I, I watched the 
dirt on dirt. I guess the ride home. I kind of enjoy that deal. It's pretty fun to watch. If you're a race fan, if you're not, if you're unfamiliar with that, go to dirt on dirt on Facebook, right? And, and every night on the ride home all week long or all through speed weeks, they're going to be kind of talking about the night's event. It's super cool. Check it out. But uh, they talked about that and they said the track was so bad. It was good. Right. It was, it was, and as a racer, I'm like, I felt uncomfortable watching it because I know what it's like to be in a car and you just got no control over it. I mean, it was like, you couldn't, I mean, it was weird. It was a really weird deal, but it was slide job. And, you know, I mean, there was a lot of action that was entertaining. So, I mean, ultimately it was a good race. So um, another, uh, another side note there on night number one, again, RTJ Strickler, Neither one of them made the show. T-Mac, Davenport, garbage. Owens, garbage. It's like, yikes. So, I mean, there, there's a lot happened. Surely, actually, the squirrel there, he won his heat and got a hole in the radiator. So, he didn't, he made one lap pulled off just to save his equipment. And uh, so, that, that was a tough break for him. But a very good night, number one. Now, night number two, Bert, which was tonight. We just got done watching this. You know, more carnage. You talked about Freddie Carpenter barrel rolling it in the heat. They changed the format. They didn't have these 30-car B mains. A um, little bit interesting there, but uh, kind of an interesting deal. Um, Turbo did not make the same mistake twice, right? He started ninth. He won. He got the lead. He stayed on the bottom. He didn't give it away, but something happened. Why don't you talk about that? Well, I mean, he took the lead and uh, actually, well, he took the lead from Brandon Overton. And then uh, on the last lap, actually coming out of four, Overton made a charge for the lead. And I mean, they crossed almost side by side. Uh, and, you know, the announcer goes, Herb's got it. And, you know, I don't know what, five, 10 seconds go by. And then they say, oh, he doesn't. There's a caution. <laughs> it was so crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I, so yeah, I I've never I've never seen that before. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Krause actually said, I was kind of waiting. If if he would have lost that race, was Turbo going to go up in the flag stand and start yelling <laughs> at somebody? He's got a little temper, but yeah, you know they take the white. They're they're all the way down the back straightaway, getting into turn three. Brandon Shepard shreds a tire. He comes through one and two. He's he's almost halfway down the back straightaway, still kind of rolling, not going fast. And they're coming for the checkered flag. And I didn't see it. I'd have to go back and actually see it because they didn't. I'd have to look at the flag, but I feel like they didn't throw the yellow. Right? Yeah, that was, that was my first thought too. Is like, I I want to go back and look at the flags to see right. actually uh, what was waving when they crossed the finish line. Yeah, I mean, the way I look at it, if the leader takes a white flag and you're coming, that guy's still, well, you got to throw the checkered flag. I mean, like, what are you doing? I mean, and then they don't see, and then the rule is if it's on the last lap, they don't go green, white, checkered. They go green, checkered. Mm -hmm. that That's kind of an odd deal. I mean, that, you know, just doesn't really make much sense. Just throw the checkered, call the race over. You know, I mean, it, does, it didn't affect anything. I mean, Shepard... I, I think he was able to maybe get back out there after changing it, but he's not running for Lucas points anyway. So who cares? Right. But yeah, that, that could have, I would have, it would have been interesting to see what would have happened if uh, Overton would have maybe slid him and took the win away after that restart. Uh, you know, that would have been, 
that would have been a very controversial win. But boy, the <laughs> racing, you know, as weird as the track is, and my buddy John said, we're watching it, kind of texting back and forth. He's like, you actually enjoy watching this? And then by the end of the race, he's like, well, that was pretty good, right? At the end of the race, it was pretty good. <laughs> but it's weird, right? Because it's slimy. And, and as somebody that's raced for a long time and was always on a low budget, you see this and you're like, oh. Like they're just shredding stuff. It's like, are they are they sponsored by pop brand rivets or like what's going on here? I mean, it was literally interesting racing, but it was entertaining racing, in my opinion. What what did you think? Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, even the first night, um, you know, the first first half of the race was was very entertaining. I mean, they're swapping the lead back and forth. You know, drivers moving up through the field, but then there was a you know, there's a portion of the race where it seemed like every lap there is a caution and, you know, and uh, the second night, uh, you know, like I said, wasn't, there weren't as many cautions, but it seemed like the cautions were more serious than what they were the first night. I mean, uh, like you mentioned earlier too, I mean, T-Mac, he's had no luck this year and that Tuesday night, absolutely no luck. I mean, he, he's got a lot of damage to his car for an incident that he had nothing Right. nothing to do with other than getting caught up in it uh with you know which was unfortunate i mean he got bounced around and <laughs> his rear end was driven into and then he slammed against the wall and <laughs> another guy uh, that well, got tore up tonight bert was jimmy owens it seemed like he was in everything he, was, he got in a wreck in the b main i don't i didn't see what happened in the feature i don't know if he caused it i have to go back and watch it myself but he got all tore up i mean you could tell it, he was in the infield he got out of his car and you could tell he was like visibly just upset and usually he's a pretty calm pretty even keeled guy but you could tell like he was ready to just explode and i mean just nothing going right for them guys but it's early it's early and which, I mean, you know, after his performance in Arizona, it's really surprising that, John, uh, you know, what Jonathan Davenport is doing so far in East Bay. I mean, he just, I mean, it's not like, well, I mean, he's having a hard time qualifying for the feature, but, you know, like even in the B main, he started on the front row and finished third. I mean, you, you just don't expect that from him. Uh, it just seems like the track isn't conducive to his style of racing. He likes to kind of put it up on the cushion and it seems like you have to be lower on the track at East Bay. You can't drive the cushion like you can other tracks. I think what he's doing, Bert, is he likes to drive off that right front, right? He likes to get it up there and dig that right front. He He's a very straight driver. You know, you watch Tyler Urban, he'll slide that thing in there and he, he really uses a lot of right rear. And JD kind of really drives it and so does Owens and so does T-Mac, right? They, they're really a lot more straight. Ricky Thornton Jr., they drive straight and that right front just does not grip the racetrack at East Bay. It just does not. So interesting. You know, another guy that, that uh, he hasn't had like amazing results in the feature, but two for two on making the show, Snowdrift. Blair Norder, right? A guy that we talked about. He won the he won the rep, uh, repairable vehicles TriStar Late Model Series this year up in the Upper Midwest, and he goes down there and, and he ran all them shows last year. I don't even think he made a feature in Arizona. I don't think he even made one, you know. And then two for two on making the show so far at East Bay. 
qualifying good. I mean, his time trials, he's up in the top five, started outside pole and, and really had a shot to get second in the heat, got third today. Um, and I think he finished mid-pack, you know, maybe 15th or something like that. But that's that's a great learning experience. And I think he's keeping the car kind of in one piece, staying out of trouble. So, you know, 19 years old, congrats to him. But we talked about JD, the, the B-Main, the first night. He got second and kind of slid in. Stuart Friesen gave him all he could handle. And I don't think he was there tonight, was he? I don't remember seeing his name. Yeah, I, he was not there. I, I don't believe. I could be wrong. But he looked really racy. He, he didn't mm-hmm. make the show, but he was like one spot out. And, and he, I mean, literally, he gave him all they could handle. I was surprised to see he ran that good um, right out of the gate. But, you know, some interesting stuff down there. And I'm, I'm excited. We got four more nights down there. Um, it goes through Saturday nights. So we got, what, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So we got four more nights of action at East Bay. Bert, give me, I guess, two people that from this point forward that you're like, you know what? They're either going to turn it around. They're going to get a win. Like, like, what are you expecting to see over the next four nights down there? Um. Well, I mean, I'm expecting Tyler Erb to be near the front uh, in most of the races down there. I mean, uh, he would. He had a gr- great runs in Arizona, and he's had two really good runs. Uh, well, even at. Uh, um, all tech, I believe he was in the top five. So, yeah. I mean, he's got, he's gotten off to a really good start this season. And, uh, so I'm looking for him to, uh, keep the momentum going for the, the rest of the races down there. Um, another driver, why don't you pick one and let me think about it for a bit? Well, you know, what's interesting is Turbo's brother's going to be there tomorrow right? Actually, tonight, if you're watching this, uh, Bobby Pierce, is, he didn't make the first two nights. He wasn't there, but he's coming. You know, uh, boy, I, I think you're you're on it with him. A guy that I can kind of see maybe sneaking up there and getting a win. I mean, you got your regulars. I think Overton is going to continue to be tough. I think B-Chef's going to... Them guys... What's crazy, our big three from last year, B-Chef, Overton, right? Owens, all winless so far. That's crazy. That's crazy. But a guy that if I had to pick one guy right now, kind of a dark horse deal that I think is going to steal a win before too long, Josh Richards. I, I think I'm, I'm expecting to see him that 14 in victory lane before the end of the week. Okay. I'm going to go with uh, Devin Moran. He, he's uh, uh, he's had to start deep in the field both nights. He started 22nd Monday night and finished fourth. I believe you're reading the results from tonight earlier when you thought you're reading and he was ninth, but he started 17th. So he, right. he moved up some. So um, I'm going to go with Devin Moran for uh, um, having a good rest of the week. That's a sharp looking hot rod too. I, I really yeah. like the look of that car. Yeah. That thing is sweet. Um, I like that pick. And then I'm going to go with the guy that I'm going to take one of the big three. And, and if I had to pick one more guy, if, if you, if you had a gun to my head and you said, all right, give me somebody that that's kind of a dominant guy that's going to get a win. I tell you what, I, Brandon Shepard is going to be putting that deal in victory lane. You know, I, I, it just is what it is. He was so good there last year. Nothing's quite going right for him this year, but he's been, he's been quick. He's been there. And uh, I'm, I'm expecting to see the rocket one park it in victory lane. So we got more racing to happen here at East Bay. 
Hey, race fans, calling all hockey fans, calling all hockey fans. Why are we looking for hockey fans, you might ask? Because Goat Sports Media has released its newest podcast, Tea with Miss McGill. It can be found on Apple, Spotify, and all the favorite places that you podcast. This podcast is going to concentrate on Minnesota high school hockey mainly, a little bit of touch of Division One and Division Three college hockey, and we'll touch on some major stories of the NHL. So Tea with Miss McGill, the latest podcast from Gold Sports Media. Go check it out. There was a little bit uh, of sprint car stuff. I mean, again, you know, Keith will be a little bit upset with us if we don't talk about the buggies. But on flow, they actually had uh, they had sprint car racing over at the Arizona Speedway, Bert. And, you know, we had the Wild West shootout, of course, last week. And then this, you know, I guess two weeks ago now, but this last weekend was the Wild Wing shootout. And uh, they had sprint cars, they had IMC mods down there. I watched a little bit of it. It wasn't overly terribly exciting, in my opinion. I mean, it wasn't like a World of Outlaw show. Buddy Kofoy, though, a guy that we watched a little bit in some USAC mids and stuff, he won night one and night two. He looked pretty good. Shots was kind of all over him night one. And then on night three, I'm not sure if you saw who won there, but Smoke, Tony Stewart putting that baby in victory. How about that? Right? I don't. When's the last time he's won a race? It's got to be a while, right? Did he win anything last year? I don't remember I, hearing anything. I don't know. <laughs> I would assume he probably did, but I don't remember seeing it. You know, we talked about a lot of racing, but uh, pretty interesting. Now, what it, what what surprised me down there though, right, was the fan count. So my dad is down there, and he said night one, he goes, "I'm telling you, there couldn't have been a hundred people there. I mean, it was empty." And night two, maybe 300. Night three, it kind of rained a little bit. But the fan count was, I mean, it was a tenth of what it was for the Wild West shootout. And that was interesting to me, right? Because, you know, up in our area, you get a sprint car show. It's like, man, packed house, right? And down there, it just, they just couldn't get fans. I, I really, and I got a couple of thoughts on that. But before I do... Did you get a chance to take a look or do you have any thoughts there on the wild wing shootout? Um, well, I, I, I tried to watch uh, Smoke's victory. Uh, I went to Flow TV to watch the replay and I started watching it and the, the audio in the, in, the, in the pictures were not lined up. The audio was like like three quarters of a lap ahead of what the actual footage was on the screen so i knew what was going on before <laughs> i could actually see it and uh so that was kind of weird and so then i turned the sound down but then it's i'm just watching cars and i don't know who is who and i mean i guess i realized how important an announcer is to uh making a race entertaining um so i i actually didn't watch that whole race but um you know i don't know about the attendance i mean maybe it's the fact that i mean you just can't have two big shows i got a theory on weekends i i have a theory on that so snowbirds right from minnesota wisconsin the dakotas where do they typically go in the winter arizona right you know and yeah you get a few that go to florida but that's more pennsylvania new york you get more upper you know northeast people kind of go to florida more people from our area go to Arizona. Now, 
two classes of cars they had down there were modifieds and of course X mods, but there was a lot of Wissota Midwest mods down there. So literally half the cars down there in the open wheel stuff was from our area, the Dakotas, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, from our region. So not only do we have a bunch of cars, but I know a pile of people that went down to watch our cars race down in Arizona. So without, you take the Northern contingent out of there and I think it'd be empty. Well, there is no Northern contingent down there except for a handful of IMCA guys. And I, I just don't think they get the same following. So, you know, I just think that show that they're going to have to maybe market it a little bit different. I'm not sure, you know, I don't care what, what they do there. But uh, hopefully they made a little bit of money. I know they made a pile of money at the Wild West shootout, um, but hopefully they made a little bit of money there. But Bert, uh, I'm not sure if you heard, they only got one more shot at this deal because in 2022, that event is done at the Arizona Speedway. They sold the track and uh, it's going to be a freeway. It's done. Like that place is closing down. So, they're looking at some alternate locations for the 2023 Wild West. I heard some rumors about maybe it going to Vegas, um, which would suck, right? Because my dad and a bunch of their friends, they all bought these park model deals literally in Mesa, like five minutes from the racetrack. And now they're not even going to have a race. They're, like my dad's going to be pissed when he hears about this. Like he's not going to be happy because like one of the big things he looks forward to in the winter is that event. And now they're not even going to have it next year is the last year. So that really sucks. I mean, I, it just, it just sucks that they're going to be getting rid of that place. Just like East Bay. What do they got? Four more years there. I heard and that yeah. place done and boy, the history. I mean, the, for me, the history at the Arizona speedway is not that big of a, you know, to me, but to East Bay, I mean that if you're a late model fan, you know, that place has been epic for a long time and, and, and I got a win there. I mean, so, I mean, they can't, they can't get rid of a track that I have a win at. <laughs> I mean, come on, you know? So, but yeah, so that's, that's kind of what happened in the buggy world there. You know, any, any closing thoughts on kind of what we saw here over the last week there, Bert? Um, I mean, every, it seems like every week we come on here, we say now we are in, you know, racing is in full swing. <laughs> and I think, I think it is actually official now. I mean, racing is in full swing now. I mean, there, there's no turning back now. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And, and speaking of that, you know, we get into the last lap here, you know, and then of course, I mean, if you're a late model fan, th this is the week, right? I mean, East Bay week to me, I mean, they got Volusia coming up, but I'm not a big half mile fan. The, the coverage ain't quite as good. This for me is the week of late model racing. Um, I just love East Bay. You know, of course, that's on all the way through Saturday night and it's going to be exciting. I'm super next next episode. We'll have a lot more to talk about from East Bay. Um, if you're a late model fan, though, another thing that's coming up, and I really don't understand why you wouldn't be watching East Bay if you're a late model fan, but <laughs> the Boyd Speedway in Georgia, they're having the cabin fever. I think it's like the 13th, 14th annual, and uh, that's Saturday night on flow. So if you're like me and if you're like Bert, if you're like Jeff and you're like Keith and you're like some of us guys, you might have to have a second browser opened up, right? So you can watch both of them and kind of flip back and forth. A guy that maybe I can see going there, and I don't understand why he's not at um, at East Bay, but maybe a, a Chris Madden, right? Or maybe a Dale McDowell. 
um scott bloomquist I'm, I'm not really sure like i'm thinking maybe a few of these guys might end up over there i really don't know but it seems like almost everybody is at east bay but yeah kind of crazy to me Bert, that they're running a, a late model show against east bay but i guess it's far enough away where they got some local guys that you know they're like well don't make financial sense to go down there and get our clocks cleaned we'll stay here and race i get it you know but uh, so that's on flow. Um, the mod fans got some stuff coming up too, Bert. I don't know if you saw that. Um, another racetrack that Buzzy, um, he's, he's won races at. I don't think he's going to this one. The North Florida Speedway, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday on flow. They'll be having UMP mods down there. That'll be a good show. So, Bert, I'm going to have a lot of browsers open up. I can tell you that. I mean, <laughs> focus is going to be on East Bay, right? But I'll, but I'll be kind of keeping an eye on that mod stuff. You know, that's kind of leading into some stuff down at Volusia. They usually get big car counts, so that'll be kind of fun to watch. And then and then on Tuesday, you know, our, our next show won't be aired until after the start of this, but next Tuesday is Mod Week at Volusia. And that's going to be on Dirt Vision. And uh, I know the Brokings are going down. I don't think they're bringing both cars. I think just Johnny's going down. I don't know who else is going down. You, I mean, there used to be a bunch of them, but I feel like the only person I heard about going to down there to Volusia is Johnny Broking. So good luck to the 45J down at Volusia. And uh, hey, did you see, uh, we can't leave Keith out of the mix. So Keith, you don't just have to watch Late Models and Mods. Bert, tell Keith what, what's coming up here for the sprint car fans. Uh, Ollie's All-Stars are going to be racing Friday and Saturday on Flow Racing. So uh yeah, there's a there's a little bit of uh, variety of racing over coming up this upcoming week, and I believe that is Tony Stewart series, right? The All Star Championship series, I think they call it or whatever. Okay, yeah, um, I think the All Stars is Tony Stewart series. I saw that Shots is going to be there, Smoke's going to be there. I'm assuming because that's kind of rolling into Speed Weeks that you're going to see most of the World of Outlaw guys there. I'm, assuming but i'm not 100 percent sure but uh needless to say keith you got your sprint car stuff you can watch that breathe easy it'll be okay it's not quite the same <laughs> right you don't have the same hype as the world of outlaws but they'll still put on a good show and a little bit of news um so we talked about the granite city motor park and james trantina kind of that go big or go home mentality and a lot of us promoters up here are scratching our head going I don't know if this, I don't like in my mind, I'm thinking, is he like, what's he doing here? Like, is he going to make money, lose money? I'm not really sure, but a big announcement there, Bert, what's the big announcement over at the Granite city motor park? Um, they're going to be racing late models on a weekly basis. So, uh, you know, another, uh, venue for late model fans to take in some racing. Yeah. And, and what's crazy, if you think about it, right in Wasoda, there's there's really not many Saturday Wasoda tracks, right? So in, in Wisconsin, there's zero. There's no Saturday night Wasoda late model action. In Minnesota, one track, Hibbit, that's it. And and uh, you get out to, I guess, South Dakota, you got Huron, or not Huron, my bad, Miller, right? So that's two. And I think, I don't think there's anything in North Dakota that runs late models weekly. I know Devil's Lake has some shows, but they don't run weekly. 
So it's crazy to me that there's now more Sunday night regular late model tracks than there is Saturday night late model tracks. That is, that is crazy. <laughs> yeah. So you got you got Proctor, you got Watertown, and now you got Granite City Motor Park. But hey, good luck to him. I tell you, he's going all in. It's I mean, it's fun to see the enthusiasm, all the big stuff that he has planned. I really hope that it works out for him because you know, if I can see somebody be successful in the dirt racing world, that, that's fantastic. So late model fans, you got one more track there Sunday nights in Wasota country. Um, my neck of the woods, Bert, I'm going to let you share the news here. My neck of the woods, right? My backyard. Did you see what's going down at the Sycamore Speedway? Oh, yeah. Uh, the Dirt Kings, uh, they've added uh, a race to their schedule. And it's that this will be actually their first ever race outside of the state of Wisconsin. Uh, and it's scheduled at Sycamore Speedway. I don't remember the date. It's in September. It, it, I believe it's the day before the Wilmot race. Uh, so, I mean, Wilmot is, is very close to the border, the Illinois-Wisconsin border. So it only makes sense to piggyback those two races close to each other. Yeah, I, I believe it's the same week as the World 100. I, the think World might, I think it might be the week after. Well, the Labor Day, it's the week after Labor Day. I believe it's on the 10th is what oh, it is. Okay. And, and okay. if that's the case, yeah, you. I could be wrong on this, but I feel like it's the... Okay. In fact, Labor, Day okay. must, Labor Day must be late then this year. Yeah, Labor Day weekend this year, Bert. I'll, I'll actually roll it up right now. Labor Day, Labor Day is September 6th. So the okay. fourth and the fifth. So, okay. yeah. so I think it is the 10th, which, which is interesting to me. And then let me look right here. Yeah. Friday, September 10th, which I believe that's world 100 week. Now, what I, I guess basically what that means is they're not going to get your Bobby Pierce. You're not going to get right. some of them guys, which for the dirt Kings guys, they're probably going, Oh, good. <laughs> you know, so, but uh, I, I'm excited about that because it's right in my backyard. Um, I have not attended a Dirt King show yet. I'll probably try to make it to that one because it's the weekend after Labor Day. So that, that'll be kind of a fun deal. And there's a lot of late model shows going on that weekend. Of course, the Sites Memorial, the Russ Larson Classic, the World 100, that Dirt King show. So um, pretty cool deal that they uh, they have a show going on at my, I guess, my closest track to me in Illinois. And I wasn't going to bring this up, but my, uh, I guess our sprint car expert, Keith, passed along the information. But a <laughs> little bit of news in the sprint car world, double down Jason Sides, who's kind of been on a smaller budget, talented guy, a couple top fives in the World of Outlaws series. Uh, it's been a few years since he's done that, but he's going to be driving for uh, Rico Abro. Um, so I think his family owns a vineyard out there in, uh, I believe out in California and they got a little money. And so I guess, congratulations on having some backing behind him. Be kind of fun to see if he can, you know, maybe take it to the next level, steal some wins from some of these boys. So a um, little bit of champion, a little bit of news there. Any other closing thoughts in the, in the racing world, I guess, uh, from you. Um, no, um, I, I guess I'll just say this. I mean, last week I, I did the teaser about, you know, maybe some news coming out of Eastern Wisconsin. And I do believe that news is getting closer to being announced. So stay tuned. 
<laughs> you're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me. You're like, right, come on now. Like, go ahead. We won't tell anybody. What do you got? What do you got? So I'm gonna I'm gonna close with this. Uh, right, champagne kind of pouring out right now. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers knocked off your Packers, who are not going to the Super Bowl. So, oh yeah, right here, my my Vikings actually <laughs> are one up on the Packers. You know, you see all the Packer fans are saying, "Hey, you know the the Vikings, uh, we made it further." Well, the Vikings actually did better because they split head to head, but the Vikings get a better draft pick, right? Because neither <laughs> one of them won the championship. So again, the Vikings one up on the Packers this year, Bert. So, yeah, I mean, that was a, that was a disappointing game. Um, I mean, I don't mind losing. If you play your best, you put it all on the field and, and it's just not good enough, but that definitely wasn't the case in that game. I mean, um, just way too many mistakes to make it to the Super Bowl. I mean, um, the play right before halftime, that was the, that was the killer. <laughs> <laughs> that one and then of course Aaron Rodgers when he had like wide open to run it into the end zone and he um, tried to force it in. I mean I mean the play right before halftime and then you come out of the locker room and then you fumble the ball on the 10 yard line and you know you're down 18 so um you know they did battle back uh but just way too many mistakes um just I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, and honestly, Tom Brady did a very good job at trying to give them the game back. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. Like, so neither one of those teams, I, the Kansas City Chiefs have been kind of sleepers, right, all year. They've been – it's crazy how little respect – I watch a lot of sports shows – how little respect the, the Chiefs have got all year. They're like, oh, man, the Steelers are 11-0. and Oh, man, Bill's Mafia, they're going all the way. And that's all you heard from all these sports shows. The Chiefs just aren't winning by enough points. And they come out and they made the, they made the Buffalo Bills look stupid. And I mean, it was just an absolute stomping. I think they went on like a 38-6 to run. Uh, who's your pick for the for the Super Bowl? I know I mean, it's a couple weeks out yet, but who's your pick? We'll do that. Quick. I mean, I, I'm going to pick the Chiefs. I mean, they just have too many weapons on offense, um, and um, you know, Mahomes is just uh, unbelievable quarterback. So, and I mean, like like you said, I mean, well, and I'll I'll say it. I'm a little Bradyed out. I'm a li- I'm just a little tired of all the Tom Brady talk. But that's all we're gonna get for the next two <laughs> weeks is Tom Brady. He's going to us. He's he's the first player ever to play in Super Bowls in three different decades. He's the first. You know, he's taking a team from the AFC and the NFC to the Super Bowl. This and that and. Yeah, I, I guess they all, they always say no, nobody likes a winner. He's a winner, right? I I'm not a fan either. Oh I'm yeah, really, I mean, I, I respect mean, the I'm, heck out of him, but I'm like, right, exactly. so we're on the same page. <laughs> we are 100% cheering for the Chiefs, and and just on a side note, not to typically get into this, but there was two teams that did not come out of the locker room for the national anthem, <laughs> and neither one of them are going to the Super Bowl. Dirt track fans. We don't have that problem. There ain't nobody kneeling. We're all standing near the national anthem, and that's why dirt track racing is way the hell better than everything else, and that's why we're watching this show. So, Bert, it's, it's been fun talking racing. Super excited for the week here at East Bay. You know, that's episode, I guess, 
I got to take a look. I already forgot. 64, 64 <laughs> right? 64 in the books. Um, and, and race fans, I hope you get, you know, I hope you get a little bit of enjoyment out of our show. You know, we, we have a blast watching races, talking about it. You know, we, we claim, you know, I claim to know a lot more than what I think I do and, you know, and all that. But it's a heck of a lot of fun. Hopefully we bring you some value to kind of get away from all the craziness in the world and you get an hour or so escape from all that by listening to us ramble on about racing. So hopefully, hopefully you're enjoying it. I'm Ryan Eel. That is the one and only Bert Lehman. And uh, thanks for tuning in to the One to Go Show. A production of Goat Sports Media, LLC.